Everybody, welcome to Murder Moose, Murder Moose, Murder Moose, and with me today again, and we're gonna make a little cool kind of announcement. Um, is Jerry? Jerry, how you doing, my dude? I am doing so good. Thank you for having me back on. No problem, man. And I'm gonna have more of you on because uh, you talked about it, and you're gonna help fill in while Josh is away. So you're gonna like kind of fit like be the temporary co-host to fill in, which is dope. Yeah, dude, you're gonna get so much hate mail. <laughs> Again, it's a if we get hate mail, it's publicity, right? I don't know. Why would oh, dude, no, when I was the co host of Pod in the Pendulum for like the first hundred episodes, like we, yeah, any hate mail that we'd usually get would just say fire Jerry, and it's just like, dude, that's (laughs) such a random like hill to be on, like, just (laughs) so it's funny because when I had my first part uh podcast, it was our Hearthstone podcast, it was called Tier Five, and we never got like I was the crazy out there one, as you probably can tell. And yet, the only time we ever got hate mail was because my co-host made a joke about a Hearth- a female Hearthstone streamer. And he was like, who's that? Like, he was joking around. And it was just like, oh, my God. And I was like, I was like, out of everything that's ever happened with me in, like, everything, and I'm sitting there making all the dick jokes possible, and it's my co-host saying something random like that that's going to get people pissed off. And it was like... Well, it's funny. It's like, po- yeah, like... like- a lot of the hate mail would be like, oh, these guys, this sounds like just two drunk uncles talking about movies. And I was thinking, so what's the problem? Like, exactly. That's that's right up my alley. That's like you're going to go, you're going to go, you're trying not to sell this to people? This sounds like you're trying to sell it to people and you're like getting, oh, like, I don't know, man. I, I There's so much content in this world. There's so many podcasts. There's so much YouTube. There's so much everything. And you're going to go like... Go out of your way. I like will never understand. Like going out of your way to like sound different hate on something. Well, yeah. that that or like like there's so many people, and I'm not like throwing shade in any shows. So, or I guess maybe yeah. maybe, but uh, there's so many people <laughs> that like they sound like Dick Clark on their podcast. But when you meet them in real yeah. life, they're like super chill. Like, dude, I'm from yeah. the valley. I'm never gonna sound like I'm never. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, dude, it's that I hate 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 because it comes with like being in, around streamers and shit like that when they're like or podcasters and you get on the like hi everybody i'm doing the american uh morning show wacky co-host voice Woo-hoo-hoo. and it's like fucking crusty the clown or some shit and i'm just like why like just be your like i don't know and it works with some people and whatnot and i understand but it's just like you guys are uh it's just it's not necessary man and it's just, mm-hmm. i it, again but that's why morning show shit is the way it is, right? That's why, like, talk about Lords of Salem yet again, like, where they do their goofy-ass, like, uh, morning show, like, late night. They're, like, overnight. Like, Sound that effects. Show, right? <laughs> yeah. You're like, this doesn't work with you, psychopaths. But, yeah, so. Uh, man, I so I know you have been uh, wandering around. You got a bu- bunch of really cool shit coming up on your plate. Um I don't know when you can start talking about all your co- crazy cool shit, but uh, man, you got some exciting. We'll talk about it when it happens. Oh when no, we'll I, I, it. yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I, I have no secrets okay. going on. Oh, even your uh, are you like are, are you allowed to talk about the interviews you're doing? Yeah, or- they're happening like in the next couple of days, so I, I can't. Imagine. Okay, so yeah. by the time this comes out, yeah, okay, yeah, so you get to go. 
dude, how fucking cool is it? You get to interview Jamie Lee Curtis and fucking John Carpenter and and Blum how a Blum and yeah, there's a couple more. Yeah, and like I'm, for, I'm doing the junket for Halloween Kills, and yeah, yeah. basically the whole cast and crew, David Gordon Green. I, I yeah. was telling I was telling my my older brother about it, and he's not into movies or anything. So like I was telling all these people, and he's like, "Oh, who cares?" And then I said, "And Anthony Michael Hall, you know the nerd from Breakfast Club," and he almost shed his yeah. pants. Like, what? That's <laughs> the one that you're stoked. On? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, not Jamie Lee Curtis, right? who's been doing shit for like a hundred right? fucking years. Like Beverly Hills Chihuahua, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I don't. Who did that? Because I don't know Beverly Hills Chihuahua. If we're being honest, who oh, did that movie? Oh, I I don't know. I I know that she was uh, the aunt in the first one, but oh, okay. like I have kids, okay. so like I'm so knowledgeable and like Shinso, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it'd be well, funny did- to ask like. Start with Halloween Kill stuff and then go into like oh so like you know what was your motivation in Freaky Friday? No, I just want you to ask her if like. How often people told her that, like, you, you really shouldn't ask her this, but, like, how many times has someone asked you or told you they jerked off to her scene <laughs> in True Lies? <laughs> Trading places. Dude. Yeah. Dude. That scene in True Lies is, oh, that woman is. It's, like, up there. I feel like I start thinking of, like, memorable, like, dance scenes with, like, a beautiful women in movies, and that's up there. And then I think of... uh Selma Hayek and in, in from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Um, but man, and also, what do you call her? And we, as we were messaging around, because I was watching uh, Return of the Living Dead yesterday, mm-hmm. the scene with her getting up on the oh the on trash, the tombstone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is man. That's not, like my wife ju- was sitting. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, not even just her. I mean, that whole group yeah. is the coolest motherfuckers ever in yeah. in, in a movie. Yeah. Well, the one dude always reminds me of like uh what do you call him from uh Friday 4? Uh the 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 dweeby guy who did his dance. Uh what the oh, fuck? Oh, Crispin Glover. Yeah, Crispin Glover in his dance. He reminds me of Crispin Glover more like in like the Friday, not Friday in uh, Back to the Future with mm-hmm. that kind of like that that plaidish like or weird pattern coat that he's wearing in that movie. Yeah. Like, man, it's <laughs> No, the, the guys in that movie, man, it's like that whole cast is very, it's like, it's very like Rat Pack of like horror movies kind of, like yeah. it had that kind of vibe to it, right? Kind of, uh, so Brat Pack, I should say, not Rat Pack, but you know. yeah. So, so dude, that's so fucking dope though. Like you get to talk to all those really amazing, cool people for a movie that like, when is your actual review, like, are you, when's the uh, thing up for Kills reviews? Because I know you got to go see it, but like. Yeah, get to watch um, it again tomorrow, actually. <laughs> <laughs> nice man dude that's so fucking cool. no like yeah i am i think the 15th is when it's officially released so i don't i don't yeah. know if the embargo is until then so I, i've just been oh, kind okay. of like a pumpkin and yeah, a knife hush. <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah you don't want to you don't want to sit there and like go any like say anything and i know it's funny man because i have my buddy uh my buddy dave used to be a uh one of the managing like editors at a collider and he quit because he couldn't handle their shit. But uh, mm-hmm. they like, he got a, uh, he got sent this, uh, the, the rock has an energy drink. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. It's uh, good. Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And he got sent a, a, a little mini fridge with like the energy that looked like an Xbox for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it had the energy drinks in it and he opened it on his Twitch live on his Twitch. And then like, because they hadn't put a fucking, 
like a, a release date, like when you could do it uh, on it. And so he did the stream and then he like gets off the stream and he's getting the messages from Microsoft, like, like, uh, like people going, Hey, uh, you broke the street date for this. And he's like, well, you didn't put one in there. You motherfuckers. You just sent me this box. He's like, I and drank like, them and I had energy. I had to do something. <laughs> I had to do something. <laughs> it was we were sitting there and we were arguing with him because I was in his chat when it happened. We're like, it's an Xbox. And he's like, no, it's not. And it was just a mini fridge. And mm-hmm. like a real mini fridge that like. I get like, sent a lot so, of that stuff, like the press stuff. Yeah. And I, yeah. I always want to be so excited and post stuff about it. But then the moment I do, there's usually like three or four assholes that like, it's like, oh, you're just doing that for clout. Or like, they're so pissed that like the studio send us stuff. They didn't get it. And it's yeah. like, dude, like, I'm sorry. I mean. That sounds like it's a you thing, dude. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing, man. People are like, they're always like about the, the, like the cool perks of that shit, but like, they're not the ones like writing 18 freelance articles for like, you know, no money and like no clout that nobody ever reads kind of shit. Right. It's like, they're just like all about like when you get the good shit. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That or like, I, I remember last year there was one day that there was like a Twitter like glitch and anyone that was verified couldn't tweet. Uh huh. And, but nobody realized that we could still read them. And so every, yeah. like, there's so many people that were like, you know, quote unquote friends that were just talking shit about all of us that have the blue check mark. <laughs> and like, Jesus I couldn't, res- I couldn't respond. So it's just like, yeah. I would just like every one of those tweets. Yeah. There's, yeah. so uh, I don't know him really well, but there's this guy who, uh, who who's a streamer and like he's like he's in his 40s like he's like mid 40s but he's got like a teenage daughter who i don't know all the specifics because there's a court case going but like his daughter got like disappeared for like three four five days it was like a scary shit that like during that time people were like you know giving him shit he was clout chasing something so he applied for the fucking check mark because to keep that shit from happening. He ends up getting it. And like people were crushing this motherfucker the whole time about it. And it's like, it's a fucking check mark on Dude, Twitter. Dude, how obsessed so many yeah. people are about that <laughs> other than the people that have it. Like I've had it for yeah. five years and it has brought me nothing. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I fa- it's weird. It, my favorite is uh, my buddy uh, with a, uh, is he's a streamer, but his name is his Twitch name is Ezekiel underscore I I I, and it's Ezekiel third. But he got his check mark last year during the NFL season, and so as soon as he got the check mark, every time the C- Dallas Cowboys play, like angry fantasy football fans like find him on Twitter and they say Ezekiel and they start tweeting like trashing this motherfucker because he his shitty football performance and he's not a football player it's just because he has a check mark he just he responds to these idiots and it's always fucking hilarious because it's just like this random ass shit and it's just like because people are mad about fantasy football that and and like dude i was cursed with the name jerry smith which it it sucks for two reasons Uh, well three one it just sucks it's just a shitty name but two i can't go to a single dispensary without them laughing with some rick and morty joke and and three there's a very (laughs) famous i think chilean or latin pop singer with the same name i get so many of his fans following me and like tweeting at me and it's just like dude look at the picture like (laughs) i'm the the whitest dude ever (laughs) 
and this just this just reminded me of it that because so so my wife had a uh, some uh, a black guy hitting on her at work. She works at Home Depot while she after uh, looking for a real job, but <laughs> she works at Home Depot. She had a black guy hitting on her, and she's like, "I'm married," and, but she doesn't always wear her ring because mm-hmm. she's got real sensitive skin. Mm-hmm. So like her finger will like inf- get all swollen up and shit. And this guy was like. Uh, asked her what her husband's name was this black guy who was hitting on her and she's like Rodney and she's like oh you already like black guys huh <laughs> 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 I'm just like I'm like yeah there's like three oh of us but like <laughs> I'm like holy ball yeah it's funny how names are just like a thing that people don't like man I always tell that to friends I'm like when they're having kids I'm like make sure that their name isn't like immediately like just shit on like you you shit on someone and it's like you'll never know what kind of name means anything like dude i purposely gave my kids names that they probably would get shit on for like i my i named my son dexter like who's not gonna make fun of someone named dexter (laughs) you know like god bless the showtime show for changing that a little bit but that my daughter's named after the black dahlia murder (laughs) like yeah Dude, yeah. I, I told my wife a long time ago, like, I told you this, we were struggling for kids, but I was like, if you have a son, I'm going to name him Ender. And she goes, why? I'm like, because fucking Ender's Game, yeah. the book is amazing. Not the fucking movie, but like, I I I have sick pleasures with that movie. Like, I enjoyed it because I knew what, the, the, that movie is, the book is all based on the fucked up outcome of the twist ending. Mm-hmm. But, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, so. That's you, you. So you have a lot of cool Friday shit uh, or Halloween shit coming uh, down, which is fucking awesome. We and speaking of Friday, they did solve uh, uh, the Friday the Thirteenth lawsuit got settled recently. Was that like a Wednesday? It happened. It yeah, settled, yeah. Uh, I'm, st- um, I'm stoked. But, I'm stoked on that. But like, there's so many yeah. things that come with it. I think that a lot of people yeah. aren't getting. Like, yeah, like, it's. They still can't it's, use like adult Jason or like the name yeah. Crystal Lake, I think, or something like that. So I, I don't even know. Can they use Friday the Thirteenth? Like, I don't know if that. I like, think they can use that with... name because okay. that's the original one. But I, I there's yeah. so much. I, I feel like they should just put those two dudes in a in a room, let them fucking yep. MMA it out. <laughs> like Dude, they're both gonna die. You, but <laughs> you like these motherfuckers are fighting like. They're rather they're such assholes, like that. Like, and I don't blame the writer as much, but like, like they're fighting for. They're like losing money fighting this while they could be making shit tons of money if they would just make a fucking agreement. But like, mm-hmm. again, we know what do you call him? Who fucking uh, directed the first? Sean Cunningham yeah. is is kind of a giant douche. Well, that like, and, and like the thing is, like Victor Miller has never said a single negative thing about the series. He loves yeah. the fact that he's tied to the first one. Sean Cunningham yeah. hates the series so yep. much until he sees yep. that dollar. Oh yeah, he dude. We were talking about it, and it's like that motherfucker hates the hockey mask on Jason, and you're like. That's the only reason your fucking second movie was a fucking the sound that uh, the town that dreaded sunshine or whatever the fuck that movie is called. <laughs> like you, you just put a bag over his fucking head. It's like not original at all. And you're just like, and you hate that. And you make a movie that is the least fucking Friday the 13th movie of all time. You make fucking uh, Jason Goes to Hell, which is a f- not a fucking Friday the 13th movie. It's a, some weird like. 
you know, people give shit to Halloween 2 not being a Halloween movie. That movie is way more a Halloween movie than fucking Jason Goes to Hell is a fucking Friday the 13th Dude, movie, Dude, I am right? so like, on board when franchises, <laughs> like, they usually release at least one batshit sequel. But yeah. Jason Goes to Hell isn't a batshit sequel. It's just, like, the biggest shit movie ever. Like, yeah. And, you, yeah. and people always complain... And I got into someone on Twitter with it this this week where they were just talking down about the Friday the 13th movies. But like yeah. they talk down about how like formulaic they are, but that's the that's the ones we love. It's when they deviate yeah. so drastically from what we love yeah. that like I don't want a Jason fucking worm. Like what the yeah. hell? <laughs> Jason worms, you don't want like you don't want like a porno disguised as a Jason uh, movie that doesn't even have Jason in it. I mean, it's just like Everything like it's those. I mean, universally, Jason goes to hell and and Jason Five. I think are the least fan favorite of the two, right? Like, oh oh yeah, yeah. What's funny so is uh, uh, when I was on Pod on the Pendulum hosting that, like they we did an episode because uh, that podcast was all about franchises, so every sequel yeah. would get its own episode. And when it came to Jason yeah. goes to hell, I was pretty vocal about how much I've always despised this movie. Yeah. Then the next week, there was this bonus episode with the director of Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> and I was going to be on that episode, but I was told that the director listened to the previous episode and his <laughs> wife was cussing me out while they're listening to it. So I like faked being sick so I wouldn't be on that episode. That dude hates me with a fiery passion. <laughs> dude, you know, the, the, it fucking makes me laugh real bad because like that movie is like you you go and look at it it was that dude was a fucking puppet piece for sean cunningham and i mean he hired him right out of film school and every, every everything like that and it's like that wasn't ever that was sean cunningham trying to like get his fucking way and make everything the way he wanted it mm-hmm. and you go dude i sean go keep making house sequels where you 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 belong and and that dude i, I someday i want to talk about house just because i want to talk about that motherfucker's sweater for an hour and no, a half dude. But like house <laughs> two also house two I, like how how I, fucking weird house two. dude house, house two, two is I've like been... the complete opposite of house but in a good way yeah. like the, it's yeah. it's such a, like a weird one-two punch of movies that have nothing yeah. to do with each other really yeah I was I, I actually messaged Brian. I was messaging Brian. I think I took from Dead in Santa Carla while I was uh, the first time I watched House because I hadn't watched it until they they did it on their podcast. And I'm like, did these motherfuckers do all the cocaine in Hollywood while they were writing this script and directing this movie? Because that movie is so batshit crazy in like a good way, but like batshit crazy. And I'm like, man. I wrote an article is- about the that 80s vampire movie Vamp for Scream Magazine yeah. and I, I turned it in yesterday and I, I couldn't resist writing about how much cocaine was probably used in that movie <laughs> just to yeah. see if like it would be in a magazine on shelf somewhere, just me talking about <laughs> vampire cocaine. <laughs> Dude, I... It's funny because we're gonna we're talking about Midnight Mass here in a little bit, but like that's very kind of got that kind of vibe, right? With like the the vampire blood is like cocaine or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny. I looked after you were talking about that article, and that movie is on Tubi, so oh, I may dude. go watch this here in, in the next couple of days and I check it out. I love that movie so much. Yeah, dude, it's weird, man. Like, it's funny. Uh, so I didn't like. I, I I don't know. I watched whenever I did watch Near Dark. I, I that movie I liked it, but that is another one of those movies that gets so much love from people that I was like, <laughs> this movie's entertaining, but like 
it's not nearly as batshit crazy as I want from a vampire mm-hmm. movie. Like, and like, so if you're gonna do batshit crazy, you may give me like you know Fright Night or Lost Boys because that shit is like peak peak eighties crazy vampire shit near dark feels like a rom- it, you know what near dark feels like to me and i'm not trying to be an ass because i think it kind of feels like an 80s twilight movie like it with like a little more grit to it because mm-hmm. it's like it's like a love story not like a vampire movie you know what i mean it's, it feels like an a24 vampire movie in the 80s with synths yeah you know yeah like like yeah it, it's more of a drama i think and i i think yeah. the the legend of that movie kind of precedes it in some ways like like I, I love Near Dark, but at the same time, like, how mythical people make it out to be. Yeah. Like, it's a great movie, don't get me wrong, but, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Sold as, yeah, it gets sold as being, like, this fucking perfect movie, and then you go in expecting an 80s cool vampire movie, and you're like... Basically like a Western, fuck? almost. Yeah, it's a really mm-hmm. strange... It's, the vibes are way different from a lot of... Which is good, but it's, like, it, it doesn't, like, the vampirism is, like... Uh, like a set piece not like the focus and yeah it's like, I love the vampire sequences like Bill Paxton is one of the coolest motherfuckers ever in that yeah. movie but it's it's the love yeah. stuff that comes off so over dramatic especially when the yeah. truck like it's yep. yeah it's that's why I said like this the the Twilight mm-hmm. things about it where it's like it's way more like Romeo and Juliet vampirism and like yeah than it is like it, the movie's still really really good but man it's like this isn't my cup of tea most of the time, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, again, if you're listening to this and think I'm shitting on Near Dark, it's just, it's, when you hear, you you can confirm this, like, it, like when you have something that's either from before you're born or you're, like, like, you just hit, like, you never saw it and, like, it gets talked up so much. Like, I saw... I, I've seen, you know, I saw Texas Chainsaw later in life. I saw Ex- The Exorcist later in, like, I saw that a long time ago, but I wasn't, like, a teenager anymore. Like, I think a lot of that stuff gets, like, built up and built up and built up so much that you go, there's no way you can ever live up to what the hype of, like, people you put up things. Like, if, if you're four, 35, 40, and you've never seen The Shining, I don't know if The Shining is ever going to be, like, can live up to The Shining that people have been telling you about for, you know, 35 40 years right that so and like there's there's this preciousness about a lot of classic movies or movies that are considered classic that like if they yeah. don't work for someone then suddenly people get like offended like yeah. to be honest and, and this kind of goes with like midnight mass and and other stuff i prefer dr sleep to be honest the director's yeah. cut of dr sleep i think is still yeah. mike flanagan's best movie and like that movie single-handedly like just spoke to me as a recovering alcoholic in ways yeah. that, like, The Shining, like, you know, that didn't make me want to stop drinking. That just made me yeah. want to, like, kill my kids, you know? Yeah. It's, man, so I need to see the director's cut of that because I've never seen it. Like, that's, it's, it was really weird with me because I had, uh, it's funny, uh, like, when I met uh, T, he's on the podcast, uh, Handle with Scare on the podcast network. We met at BlizzCon in 2019 and he was going to see that movie like at an early screening. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I saw it and I'm like, this movie's awesome. It doesn't feel like a horror movie to me. It really doesn't. Like, it, it's that weird, like, it's this weird drama. Like, it, it's like a supernatural road adventure kind of thing. I don't know. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And then it was like, uh, Josh has talked about on here, like, he hates the ending of that movie because it feels so, like, tacked, like, in 
tacked on compared to like the rest of that film and you hear about what the studio did with it so it'd be interesting to go and see what the the actual director's cut i watched the theatrical and i was like man this is a pretty cool movie i watched the director's cut and i was like this is one of my favorite movies of all time instantly the director's cut is like such a good example of of a director's cut being such an improvement on the the first one and like there's so many movies throughout the years that like have these like you know, fabled director's cuts out there that like, I would yeah. like to see, I'm not going to start a whole campaign, like, you know, release the, you know, whatever cut, yeah. but like the crow city of angels. I like that yeah. movie, but God, that movie was so butchered that, you know, that yeah. I'd like to see what was originally intended. Well, I think about things like, dude, I mean, because we live in the time we live in, this is 2021. And like you go in, look at what happened this year and you compare the Snyder cut of justice league and you compare it to what, you know, the shit show that was the 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 studio studio uh, slash what do you call him that ass Joss asshole Whedon uh, mm-hmm. cut of that movie and you go which I didn't hate that movie but then you go watch the fucking Justice League movie and it doesn't feel like you're it's like a the 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 Whedon cut of Justice League felt like a, a six year old playing with action figures mm-hmm. with CGI special effects on top and we talk about like all the time things like things like fucking uh like event horizon event horizon has one of those mythical never going to be seen uh director's cuts because the fucking studio cut 45 minutes off of that movie because it's still one of the dumbest things ever you give this motherfucker 60 million dollars to do this movie and then you just fucking cut it off like this and like and then you put it in mines and translate whatever the fuck they did to store the film and you're just like what is I? I will never understand investing that much money in something and then just fucking with it. Well, and it's that like, and like, did they not read the script to Event Horizon? Because I can't yeah. imagine that anyone would read that script and then be surprised with like the blood orgy stuff and all the stuff that was cut yeah. out. Like, like yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't understand it's, studios, but it's weird. Studios are man. It's it's the like it's. It's like chopping the dicks off of Michelangelo. Like you, you make this giant like masterpiece painting, and then going, "I don't like this," and then knocking the dick off. It's just like the same kind of thing. It, it's like you're, they you're they don't t- see they don't see creativity very much. Like I yeah I was I was up for like a feature this last year, and it was going to yeah. be a really good paycheck, and I was so excited. And the people that uh, that re- like people that referred me. That was trying to hook me up with it. They were so gung ho, and the director was like, "Yes, let's get Jerry." And I was like, "Yes, finally a feature that already has distribution, like something that's gonna come out." Yeah. And last minute, they were like, "Jerry, we are so sorry, but the producers decided just to use stock music that they could just put into the movie." And I was like, "What? Like uh, even taking myself out of it? Please don't do that to yeah. your movie." Yeah, it's man. I so I I play a lot of horror games, and I always say I always point out like music in horror is, I feel like, legitimately more important than almost any other kind of movie because mm-hmm. it's just such so important to the mood and like the tension and stuff like that. That's really important in horror. And you going, yeah, we're gonna use stock. It's like there are some games no totally there are some games that i think are terrifying that wouldn't be without the music i think the score to little nightmares 2 is phenomenal yeah yes yeah that i was saying i streamed that a couple months ago and or a couple weeks ago whatever it was and i'm like this fucking music is amazing because that movie that 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 game doesn't have 
dialogue. So mm-hmm. you're sitting there, and it's all on visuals and the fucking audio, and you just go, man, it's you have some talented motherfuckers making this kind of stuff, and it makes that in horror that's so important, mm-hmm. so important. And it's like, like we were mess. I was messaging you about uh, the Return of the Living Dead score last night, and you're like, yeah, this motherfucker didn't do anything in Hollywood for like. 30 years after this. And I'm like, really? He's done three things in his entire career musically. And it's like, what? Yeah. And like, yeah. I, I always that- take, I always do this experiment and everyone thinks I'm weird, especially my wife is I'll go on a walk, the most boring walk to the corner store, like a walk yeah. that I just hate. And I'll try to play yeah. some music that'll turn it into like this terrifying experience. And yeah. like it shows, like I would listen to the score for Little Nightmares Two, or like the the score for Hereditary, and it would turn this yeah. really like boring walk into something that, like, by the time I'm coming home, I'm, like, I'm almost running because I think someone's gonna kill yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's man, it's you think about it, like you think of iconic movie scores, man. And you think of things that like are, like people all know who even aren't into like horror or whatever. And you think of stuff like Psycho, right? Like Psycho's score in the, I mean, in the Friday the 13th and like all the stuff that is like, like universal for like even people that don't know those movies, right? And it's like, damn, it's like this shit is so important and it sets this mood because like, again, you, it's why Jaws is the, one of the most horrifying movies ever because you, it's music and the, the, the music sets up the tension because they couldn't show the shark because it was broken and the music and it, it just makes it so like you're afraid the whole fucking time because mm-hmm. you don't know what the fuck is happening. And it's like, well, Carpenter, damn, Carpenter showed an early cut of Halloween to like studio yeah. people without the music. And they were like, dude, yeah. this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. no, I and think dude, music's so important, I think. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. Music is, like, it's, again, horror, like, you can't do, you can't do super fucked up things for an hour and a half and then, like, go, oh, okay, here's your, and we're going to play uh, the Benny Hill theme music the whole time. Because <laughs> I'd watch Benny that, Hill actually. Theme, <laughs> I mean, I would, too. Benny Hill theme music can make anything better, but it doesn't necessarily mean it could make it more horrifying. Uh, can right? you imagine like, watching like Saw Three with like the theme for Sanford and Sons in there? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Terrifier and and the the clown in there, Art the Clown, just fucking sawing people in half with the that kind of music. Three's Company's theme. <laughs> or or uh, uh, was it Moving On Up? Uh, what is it? The Jeffersons. Oh, moving God. on up. Love that <laughs> <Peace> one. <song. laughs> People, okay. 30 minutes in people are like what is going on <laughs> what is i mean we're dude jerry this is why i love you because we could sit there bullshit about this stuff okay we are gonna so we're doing a we're gonna do uh two episodes here with about mike flanagan shit and because dude me and you were messaging back and forth you finished uh midnight mass before me and i'm just like holy shit i like i i got to like i just don't want to say we'll i don't know I, we could talk real briefly about the show overall um, but this show hinders like, and I don't want to ruin it for anyone. This show hinders real primarily on a kind of a twist. Like they do a really good job of like keeping what's driving the show away from any of the, mm-hmm. you know, the clips and all that stuff. And, uh, 
I'm actually amazed. I've not seen much like of people ruining this show for others on Twitter and shit. Um, the only thing I've noticed people completely going off about is like everyone's come at each other for what they do or don't believe online. <laughs> like this yeah. show has inspired so many online fights about like whether or not you have Religion. faith or not. And I think yeah. that's kind of cool, to be honest. Not the fighting, yeah. but like for something to really inspire like good dialogue about like faith and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, man, it's it, if anything can d- like inspire debate. That's a big thing, man. It's like it's not easy. It's not something you could do all the time. It means it 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 invokes feelings from someone, and that means it's fucking art. Art is like it gets those like you know those primordial feelings out of you, and whether it's like good, bad, or 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 in like it, that doesn't matter. It just if it invokes it out of you, that means it's done something, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You think of like that fucking artist who like pissed in a jar and called it an art piece, and people were pissed off about it. And you're like, "Hey, that motherfucker did what he was meant to do. He got people pissed off about a piece of art." Right? Totally. Like he, Actually, speaking yeah. speaking of that art, uh, would you mind if I go make that art really quick before we start? <laughs> go ahead, man. <laughs> okay. I, I'm gonna I'll I'll go intro. I'm gonna talk about the intro of it right, while cool. you go do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the uh, the premise, and we're not gonna spoil anything yet. We're gonna go over it a little bit, but. Okay, so Midnight Mass, TV miniseries. It's on Netflix, obviously. It reads, An isolated island community uh, experiences miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. So this is uh, Mike Flanagan, who directed uh, The Haunting of uh, Bly Manor and The Haunting of Hill House, which are both incredibly cool, like... like just very haunting pieces of television. Uh, they're both really, really incredible. They're not, man. It's funny because I watched both of them with my wife as I watched this one with my wife, and uh, they are, they are haunting. Both of them. I, I can't. I was kind of going. Uh, Jerry was kind of going over haunt. Like the I read the exposition and and talking about a Bly Manor and uh, Hill House. Um, and how haunting all of Mike's stuff is, like with this kind of television show stuff. Um, you know, I was I meant to look it up, but I completely forgot. So M- Mike had had this idea in his head for a while, right? Like mm-hmm. he had had the Midnight Mass in his head because it is referenced in Hush. It's um, referenced in Hush, and it's also referenced in uh, Gerald's Game. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. like he, he wanted to pitch, the, if I remember correctly, he he pitched this as a series back in like I think 2014 or 15. Yeah. And he just didn't, Man. he didn't have that clout yet, you know? Yeah. And that's what you go back and so it's the, his wife, Kate Siegel, plays, uh, what's her name on the show? It is, I, I'm thinking it's, it's uh, Aaron Green. She's the main character of Hush and plays the writer of Midnight Mass, which is a cool little universal. It, it really reminds me kind of what Stephen King does, like mm-hmm. re- how he builds his universes, right? Where he does, like he's talking about all this stuff, and like, but he's connecting it with. I I still have never done the Dark Tower stuff, and after I heard the movie wasn't good, I haven't like ventured into the Dark Tower movie. Even though I think I have it in Blu-ray somewhere around here, I'm the same um, way. Like I own it, but I, I'm such a fan of the book series of that that I am scared to yeah. watch the movie. Yeah, how do you mess? Up, how do you mess up Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey? How do you mess it up so badly? I don't know, but 
is supposedly not very I good. love how uh, Stephen King is always very nice to the people who do his movies, even if he knows their shit. Like, I remember he was yeah. just like, yeah, it's pretty interesting what they're doing with the Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, it's... I, it's the problem, right, man? It's like they had these really cool, like, overarching, like, you know, storylines that they were going to do with the show. Like, with they were talking about doing, like, a, an Amazon show or something like that to connect them and kind of do all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but then you, de- you fuck up the movie, the first movie, that mm-hmm. badly and never going to fucking happen. And it's, man, I... I kind of, I'm kind of glad though that Flanagan had to wait to do this movie, be- or this show, because man, I feel like he learned a lot doing the stuff he did in between. Because what year did he do uh, the uh, the Ouija? What the fuck is that mirror movie called? Uh, that he did Oculus. Uh, Oculus was that? What year was that? I'm not even sure. Um, Oculus was 2013. Yeah, so it's right around that time. But man. Oculus is another thing, man. Mike Flanagan isn't like you learn about him very quickly. Happy endings are not something he's a huge fan. That and he <laughs> hates hands so fucking yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's so yeah. much hand trauma in every one of his like projects. Like have, yeah. you, have you seen Gerald's game? Yeah, oh yeah. Dude, yep. I Dude. I'm not squeamish or or anything but my wife and i watched it when it first came out i got up yep. and puked immediately when that the yeah. degloving scene happened the, yeah it's just like uh, 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 uh. it's one of the hardest to watch things and like i'm like that the really? sliding I, glass door on hush oh my god oh yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit man but holy fuck yeah he fucks up hands real bad. yeah he, her hand it's like her hand at the end of that movie Looked like uh, you ever watch like big like offensive linemen from the NFL who like are doing like broadcasting stuff now and like one of their fingers is like going the opposite direction it's supposed to be because it got like it got like fucked up in a helmet and they never got it really fixed. Yeah, they think it's some kind of like like I'm a badass kind of thing. It's like damn. Mike Flanagan <laughs> hates yeah. hands almost as much as Tarantino loves feet. Loves feet. Yeah. I, as soon as you said that, I, I was like, is he, he's gonna go Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's man, it's uh, like uh, like a uh, hands are uh, you can go worse though. Like you're doing eyeball shit. Eyeball shit fucks with me way more. But that degloving scene in in Gerald's Game Man, that movie, like it just shows how. I mean, this man can do so much with so little. He takes these little tiny sets and like like this. It's a little tiny island, and he does tells this fabulous story. Hush tells all this with a house mm-hmm. in like the little area around it fucking gerald's game it's mostly with a room he, like he does all this stuff with so little and you're just like Damn. that and he's he's one of the only few people that a hundred percent understands what makes Stephen king's work work so well because there's all these yeah. there's all these adaptations like we were talking about dark tower or a lot of people hated the yeah. new the new stand uh yeah but like mike flanagan has done like i think what three or four Stephen King projects now. And and yeah. what's cool is he was going to do Revival by Stephen King and he was in yeah. pre-production and he left that to do Midnight Mass. But like wow. he understands, I think, characters more than a lot of people. A lot of other Stephen yeah. King-based things, like they, they, they focus more on the plot and not enough on the characters, which makes Stephen King's yeah. books really good. And Mike Flanagan, yeah. even in his non-Stephen King stuff, like you care for the characters, especially in this one, I yeah. think. 
and his endings aren't terrible most of the time. <laughs> I, I I love Stephen King, man. Stephen King was a thing where you're like, oh, this guy. But it, man, you go it starts going. How do you get your the way you do into the endings of your books, man? I like I will. That was my favorite gag. That was my favorite bit in uh, it chapter two. It's yeah, like when he's the, shitting on the ending. Yeah, <laughs> it's because man, that movie falls off too at the end. It's like. You have this big old m- mythical creature from uh, time that you you call it bad names and it <laughs> it's like <laughs> really Stephen really really uh yeah man so but yeah the character work in this is so fucking good and it like you have all this and you there are characters you fucking hate the entire time just fucking despise there are characters that you're just like you understand that it's like these these flawed human beings and that's what i think is so good is the writing of flawed human beings because no one's perfect man and you're like you can't do 80s like not every man in the world is uh uh commando uh arnold schwarzenegger you know like the perfect like badass motherfucker mm-hmm. who d- doesn't take shit from anyone that doesn't happen man and he writes these characters and like this series is like it's weird man like they he does this and really like this whole thing it's seven episodes and they're all like an hour or to like an hour and eight minutes it's like it really like they're all kind of like movies you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like movie length really and he does such a good job of telling stories and he just sits there and he goes like my friend was watching this, and and she she goes the other day. She goes, I stayed up way too wait late watching this, and it was funny because I don't know how much more she's watched, but she's like, why do people keep telling me like she hates religion? And she goes, why are people telling me to watch this? And we're like, oh, you get to. I think she stopped at episode three, and so she got to, she didn't get to the. <laughs> and I think she's watched it since more since then. But man, I I can't explain how. Like we'll get into it, we're spoiling it, but like this show shows you what it reminds me a lot of. Like it kind of reminds me a lot of what the fanatical people with Trump. It mm-hmm. really does. Like mm-hmm. it's that people who will justify doing whatever they want. It it the it's like the means justifying the ends to these people it's, like it's, it doesn't it's broken impressionable people just striving to believe in something and when they find that yeah. no matter what it is they'll do like you said the you know that's the worst things and like even like what yeah. you were saying a second ago like not everyone's you know this kind of like rambo kind of thing i've met more people that are like joe the you know the yeah. town drunk than Rambo, yep. you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. there are characters yeah. that, like you. You see these people, and you're like, I know that person. I or in a lot yeah. of ways, I I am that person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, the characters yeah. are great. It's, it's the 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 scenes, the AA scenes in this is show are just the real like the living moments in this the show are just so fucking good. The AA scenes and the scene with uh uh with Kate and uh, Riley sitting on her couch are just so fucking memorable because the dialogue is so good and it's so profound. And the, the, the Aaron speech at the end of the last episode mm-hmm. is just like, it will make you cry, man, just because it's that thing where it's just so pure and so like, we don't know, but, but it's, 
it, I'm again not spoiling any of this stuff, but it just it makes you think and it makes you feel and it makes you go, fuck, what is it's that thing where it's the universal question. It's like, why all it's always the question, why are we here, right? Mm-hmm. And this show is it, it gives so much about like w- what the benefits of having faith are, but like the same, the same time, what the the trappings of it are what what can having faith can really do because it faith can be blinders man and that's really what a lot of this premise of this show is is that the premise of like having faith means i don't know what comedian said this but there's a comedian who did a speech back in the day about about the difference between faith and beliefs basically or Mm -hmm. ideas and like how like when you have ideas like it doesn't mean you're like so fanatical about things and you're so like strong willed and you're so like you, you just think you believe you think things right. And, but then you go into beliefs and like this kind of stuff and how, if you, you're, you know, things you, you know that what it will do and what you will do to prove those points and what you will do to, and it's just, that's what this show explores so well. No, totally. And, uh, I, I posted, I tweeted something I think last night, uh, about how when I grew up, I I grew up in a very Baptist and then later Pentecostal upbringing. You know, like slain yeah. in the spirit, speaking in tongues, people yeah. healed at revivals, kind of yeah. stuff. But I was also yeah. told that I would burn in hell if I didn't throw Nightmare the board game into a bonfire. I was told, yeah. oh, you you liked Marilyn Manson? Parents yeah. buy that shit off your kids or they're going to hell. You know, like yeah. I I hated I hated yeah. being alive because of what a lot of people think is a great thing with faith until where I got yeah. to like 18, 19 and I became a passionate atheist almost yeah. to extreme. Like the, you know, you have the fanatical Christians, but then I became like, no, I hate religion and I'm going to fucking talk shit to you if you believe. And I, yeah. I, I think what Flanagan does so well is shows that like people, people could have faith, like genuine faith, but not rely on church, not rely on these yeah. this dogma of, you know what I mean? Like I've met yeah. some of the nicest Christian people or some of the nicest people with faith that didn't yeah. shove it down my throat at all. But I've also met some yeah. of the most prickish atheists around. Yep. Dude, I have a friend who I used to work with who I haven't seen in a couple of years now, but uh, more he's a super Mormon, man. And like, more, dude, I don't know how many Mormons you've ever encountered. These motherfuckers are all the sweetest people in the fucking world. Like, I would mess with this guy about and give him, like, shit about Mormon shit. And he knew I was messing with him. And he would, like, come in and give me a Mormon fact of the day and just be, like, all this stuff. And, like, I, dude, I went to, I went to a, um, um, a Mormon service with him one Sunday, him and his family. And just because we, like, he was such a good dude. And I was just like, yeah, I'll come. Like, I wasn't ever going into, like, you know, to, like, invest in this or whatnot. But, like, like our friendship had met enough to me and like we had enough conversations and we had enough things that I was like, I'll go in and like observe a fucking, you know, like a service with you. Like I'm not sitting here and like, you know, there's no one's like going to hold dude. I feel like, I feel like it's funny. My wife and I, a couple years ago went to Mexico and uh, Cancun and we went on to one of the, the timeshare things. And those motherfuckers are like religious zealots, right? They're like, they're like trying to sell you mm-hmm. a timeshare. <laughs> it's the 
same kind of thing. It'd be like, okay, we're not, we're not interested. And you would go into the next room and it would be eight more people trying to sell you. The dude, I went to those once and the dude was so on it as far as being so welcoming and stuff. And he's like, and yeah. don't worry about it. After I'm done, if you don't want to do it, we're still giving you tickets to Disneyland and a hotel. Don't yeah. even worry about it. It's not yeah. a big deal. And at the end he goes, yeah. okay, so what do you think? And I go, you know, to be honest, I don't think I'm interested. And he's like, okay, here's your tickets. And basically just shoved me the fuck out. Dude, that's awesome. Way better than that. this shit that happened. But yeah, it's, man, I, it's amazing how much, because like one of the characters on the show, Riley, is like, mm-hmm. I feel like Riley is the the most, you, you talked about it, uh, what's his name, Joe? The other guy is pretty, like, you know, he's there with it. But Riley is kind of your like gateway into this world mm-hmm. in a flawed character who, man... Those fucking flashbacks that dude comes to with are fucking nightmarish, by the mm-hmm. way. Like, so it we, we won't, this isn't like we're not spoiling yet, but the, the main thing that drives his character because this happens at the very beginning of the first episode the man uh kills a, a young girl in a while drunk driving, and it's this thing that sends him back to this this island he grew up on and w- to live back with his parents after going to jail for four years. and it's a thing that drives him because because he's haunted by his actions. He's haunted by what he did. He's haunted by about the person who he was. Um, and it's funny because who this man is and what his lack of beliefs, because he goes in and he talks about what he did while he was in prison, kind of drives him to be the most pure character mm-hmm. on the entire show. Like his... His beliefs and and his lack of faith are what make him the most relatable slash like believable character here because they drive him to be the best person, right? It, dude, and, I, you know, I was thinking about just that recently, and it also speaks on on just Mike Flanagan in general. I don't know so like too much of his story, but I know that he got sober a few years ago, and that became a huge yeah. driving part. Like you see so much yeah. of Mike Flanagan in every film he makes, whether it's Doctor yep. Sleep or this or any other ones. I, I think a big part of the show is is forgiveness, not not only to yeah. like characters, but also to yourself. You know, like to you, yourself. Yeah, you look back at these really dark points of your life and it's like, man, I was yeah. not a good person, and you strive to be as good as possible. And even the idea of faith, like yeah. some people think that it's pro faith, some people think it's it's anti faith, but I think it's 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 an example of saying this really like toxic area of it can harm people but there's also this kind of like freeing moment of you know do you not believe because of how shitty you were treated for believing you know can you find some kind of faith within yourself you know that that doesn't fall in line with okay i need to go on sundays and wednesdays and friday nights for youth group and you know like when i was deeply into church like dude i went probably six or seven times a week like it was yeah. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night after for youth group, Friday night for youth group with the Christian skaters. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, dude. I, I grew up Catholic, and it was I, the thing. I, the, I I point to my anxiety as an adult, and and a lot of that has to do with like ADHD that didn't guy did get diagnosed for a really long time. But like, a lot of it is like the that 
that thing is where you're told repeatedly over and over and over again, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. Just like you were talking about, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. I had a friend who was super religious, uh, and you, you remind talk about Marilyn Manson. He, I had the fucking uh, the 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 beautiful people CD when I was in like middle school, and this motherfucker like broke my Marilyn Manson CD in half because he said I was going to hell if I listened to Marilyn Manson. And I'm sitting here going, like, all that stuff is like it just it creates this really fucked up like belief of where you like how telling everyone that everything they do is wrong and that the only way they can, you know, redeem themselves is through God is it, it just it, it it it's like playing Jenga where you're like removing the base blocks because you're like removing the the basis of what you stand on as a human being. You're going, you can't do this by yourself. It has to be Jesus. It has to be God. It has to be, you can't do this. You can't, everything mistake you make, you're going to hell. And mm-hmm. like, that's impossible. Where, that's impossible to live up to, yeah. you know? And like, what's, yep. what's really weird is even though I don't believe in that stuff per se, like, you know, I've, I've, I've been obsessed with it my entire life. Like I read a lot yeah. of books on that stuff. And like the overall message of the Bible is one word love, but yeah. that like, like especially conservative Christians these days, they are yeah. the most hateful motherfuckers ever, oh, yeah. ever. Yeah. I've met so dude, many people the- like Miss Carmody in the mist. Like yeah. that's what well, like, dude. Yeah. That's and that's fucking Samantha Sloy Sloyans. I don't really know what to say her name. She plays Bev Keen in the show. Oh Lord! And is the biggest cunt. And that's what I compared her to you is her from The Mist. And you sit and go, these are the ones. And and dude, it's all the like the hatred I see on a regular basis in this country. The just pure hatred so often comes from places and groups that are fucking like supposed to be religious they're supposed to be like and dude you know like uh, so my friend the same one who was talking about like uh, uh that i was talking about f- before she uh she's a streamer she she did a thing where every sunday she was reading uh the there was like some guide to the bible and they would be like read the bible every sunday and it wasn't it was just to understand it because like people are sitting there there's some insane shit in the fucking like bible in si- the Bible talks about horse cum. If you don't know it, the Bible talks about horse cum and just like crazy shit like that. And you're just like, why? Like, it's it, it's fucked up because it's like you you go out and you learn things like in like in the Middle Ages, like fucking the Bible didn't ever used to have anything about gay people in it, and they or it used to be the Bible used to be like all these places that were fucking anti gay people. What were, was like anti pedophilia, and they changed it in the middle, the fucking medieval times, because they wanted to go fuck themselves some little boys. That and, and like, like dude, like, like how much of the Bible is from Jesus? Ninety yeah. percent of it is like firsthand accounts from other dudes. So they're basically yeah. paying a game of telephone, and then yeah. like people are supposed to live according to that. And it was written. How long after Jesus died? That, and if okay, How? if Jesus is a magical David Blaine motherfucker, it changes water into wine. Then the people recounting these stories were drunk as fuck, anyways. And I don't trust anyone like that. I'm not gonna go to Joe fucking Collie and ask him the meaning of life. 
It's yeah, it's you ever think about that? These motherfuckers were drinking a whole lot of wine. <laughs> these guys were like these dude, the disciples were blackout drunk 24-7. Yeah. And like there are uh, people that will kill people if they don't follow what these drunkards are writing down. Yeah. They probably didn't yeah. see ghosts or talked in tongues. They were just yeah. slurring their fucking speech, man. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck I'm it's it's just so you know what i i this is how i say it and i explain it over and over and over again man i i feel like if you're spreading love and not hey and you're and you're li- letting people live their lives you're letting people love who they want to love and you want to be like then what kind of world is gonna we gonna have one that isn't like telling people what to do and telling people how to live and telling people that the, the way that the person they love is wrong or mm-hmm. or what like I mean, it's it's the thing where like it's all the fucking uh, it's all the fucking Christian states like Florida now they're doing shit that like we're gonna check the genitals of high school athletes if we don't think they're the right sex. What's funny shit is like, like Florida Florida states like super Christian, but those are also the motherfuckers that are biting each other's faces off on bath salts. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Florida is James Franco and Spring Breakers twenty four seven, and these are the people that like tell us about God. <laughs> I, it's so funny because I like. I was uh, the other day on my stream. I was talking about Florida, and we were like, "To like, I have a bunch of people on my stream from like Europe, and it's like I'm explaining American things, and and like I told them, I was telling them about hamburgers with donuts as the buns, and they're like, "What the fuck is wrong with you people?" <laughs> and we're, we're doing, like, I was doing like all the invasive species in Florida that like of animals that that people didn't have any. It was just bonkers, and people were like. What is wrong with America? Well, there's just a lot of crazy shit, man. Like, you think about it, you look at how America got going, and you go, so there was these people that go, I want to be more crazy religious, and you won't let me, so fuck you guys, I'm out of here. And <laughs> which makes you go and watch The Witch, and you go, how crazy were these motherfuckers mm-hmm. into God? That this? <laughs> Because if you've never seen The Witch, the whole concept is they're so crazy religious that they're, they're fucking like crazy religious uh, uh, settlements. Like, you guys are a little too extreme. You could get the fuck out of here. And they get kicked <laughs> out of a settlement. That's, you think about that. These are the crazy motherfuckers that, like, yeah, it's, it's bonkers. And America's, like... And there's uh, so much good about America, and don't, I don't ever want it to be like. But it this this show just shows how shows what in a belief without understanding or a belief without questioning can do, and what it can do. And they use some cool stuff. They use horror elements mm-hmm. in the show to kind of make really bring home these points. But man, it's just. It's Mike doing what he does where he tells this story with these human characters and these have these flaws and and he he does some really bonkers off the wall stuff in the show, but the story is told so well. The he dialogue do, is what he does so well. He does three things perfectly. I think he writes good characters, he fucks yep. up hands, and he gives Elliot from E. T. a consistent job. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's I always, I always love when directors have that, like, they they work with someone or they do because it shows you that they're loyal. Mm-hmm. It's why, like, you look at like uh, 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 James Gunn. James Gunn works with the same motherfuckers constantly, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's like all like his brother and all these other like and uh, the what's his name, uh, Mary Poppins, like that guy. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the well, even and Rob like, Zombie. Rob Zombie has been in every James Gunn movie. His voice has. 
Oh, has I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the voice of God in Super. Uh, he's the okay. doctor on the phone in Slither. Uh, he's one okay. of the. He's one of the. Uh, oh God, what is it? Yondu's uh, crew in Guardians. Yeah. What are they called? Uh, yeah. Ravagers or something. Oh, or the, something like yeah, that. Yeah, Ravagers. Yep. Like he's a voice Ravagers, of one yep. of those. I love when people do that. Like people talk trash about Martin Scorsese, like using De Niro way too much back in the day, or using like DiCaprio too much these days. But if you know exactly, if you know that, hey, this friend of mine's gonna kick ass every time. That's the thing with, like, Rob Zombie and his wife. People talk trash about that. But two things. Like, one, like, she isn't the worst part of his worst movies. And two, two, like, dude, what the fuck? Like, if I was, if I had enough clout to make movies and put my wife in everything, I would do it in a fucking heartbeat. And there's way worse examples of that. Look at Paul W.S. Anderson and his, and, like, like, him and his wife, who I like, uh, Jolovich, she's good, but like, it's just like she's never, she's like, he just puts her in movies without even developing her characters half the time. Like, if you saw her in Monster Hunter, which was, <laughs> it was not a very good movie. Like, I had fun with some of it, right? Like, one, how do you have Tony John in a movie and not have him like tie kickboxing motherfuckers to death? But Man, like she plays the same character in every single movie, right? It's just like generic badass lady, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and and then you look at because it's I give I, I, I you I, I talk about it because you talk about like uh, zombies the only one who ever gets shit for that because Anderson does that and so does uh, um, the one married to Kate Beckinsale. She's like in all her husband's movies too. Um, that's probably why so they got like, divorced. I think she probably, <laughs> she probably just got tired of being in every fucking underworld movie. She's like, listen, dude, I'm, I'm out. Of, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to go hook up with Pete Davidson. <laughs> do, okay. Also, how do you go from that guy, that guy, the director of the underworld movies to date Pete Davidson? I don't, man, I don't know how, it, I, I think Pete, Dav- the, the r- running uh, rumor in the, uh, on the streets is that Pete Davidson has a hell of a hog. So, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it makes sense. I mean, it's, it, cause that's the only way you could fuck that dude. Look at him. It, it's, him and that fucking, that commercial where he's getting uh, tattoos removed is like, He's got that fucking like Tupac tattoo in his stomach. And I'm just like, he looks like it if wrong? John Cryer got into Wu-Tang. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or like John Cryer was like a really big fan of like the Master P era of like compact discs. Oh, oh, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. And he's like, the funny part is that kid, Pete Davis is like, I think he might be 30. And yet he's got like, he's got tattoos from like, yeah, like you're talking about like the Wu-Tang Clan from the early 90s. It's like, what the fuck, man? Ah. Uh, yeah, I, he's got to have a giant dong. That's the only way that really, because I think then he, after he fucked her, he fucked someone else. And it was like, it, it's weird, man. You know how men get shit for like, for like, uh, being shallow with women. One, one beautiful woman, like fucks a dude that looks like Pete Davidson. And Pete Davidson basically gets a, like a free pass to fuck whoever he wants for the rest of his life. I mean, it's like women are like, Kate Beckinsale fucked him. Oh, I'm down. What? <laughs> what? Also, like, what? like uh, with with this being the episode, I think it is noted. And dude, I love Mike Flanagan with like a passion. Yep. The dude is so cool. But like, 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think we talked yeah. about that like before. Like, as far as like his wife and him, like Mike Flanagan isn't like traditionally, you know, a leading man kind of a handsome person. No, no. And he it kind of has. He, yeah. He kind of looks like Joss Whedon. He's kind of like a skinnier Joss Whedon. He's got balding, middle-aged, average white dude looks going on him. And you, you were like, gives hopes for you guys like you. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. His, his Kate Kate Siegel is is a very pretty lady, and uh, it, she even pulls off being pregnant for the show. And you go, man, when pregnant women have that glow, right? And like it's. Uh, she obviously wasn't really pregnant when she was doing this, but like, uh, she looks, she pulls off the the, the look really well. So, um, yeah, so, so it's that same thing we're talking about with like marrying someone and having them in all years. But she's good, man. Like, but she she hasn't been in everything he did because she wasn't in uh, she wasn't in uh, Oculus, right? It was just that was just uh, uh, no, yeah, was she she was in. Let me see, she was in Oculus Hush. Uh, Ouija oh, 2, Gerald's Game, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and this one. What was she in? She, there wasn't much else in, in Gerald's Game. It, that was mostly. Uh, I think it was the, the friend. I, like oh, there was okay. like one or two scenes. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is that uh, when uh, Samantha Sloyan got killed on Hush, I was like, yes! Because she's such a cunt on the show. I hate her, hate her, hate her. Yeah. Um, it's funny, man, because I, I was telling you we talk about her character uh, Bev Keen on this on on Midnight Mass, and you compare it back to the the chick on uh, Mist. My wife w- refuses to watch the Mist ever again because she fucking hates that character so mm-hmm. badly, right? So, okay, yeah, let's let's wrap up not spoiling the show. Uh, I, dude, if we haven't sold you, this show is really really fun, and I'm not. Fun. It's really really well done. I wouldn't ca- calling show fun might get some people angry at me because it, it's not fun for most of it. It's real intense. It's real. It's beautiful at times. It's ugly at times. It's, uh, it's violent at times. Uh, it does one thing that I'm not a huge fan of, but like you kind of understand why it kills some kitties. It, this movie has a kitty death count. Yeah. More than any, right from the get go. Yeah. You're like, that was the end of like, the beginning of episode two or three or something. It's pretty early on. You're like, that is all there's you, you, there's a large kitty death count and it's not like you don't see it on screen. Thank God. Uh, you see like one of them, but, um, yeah, they're like, they're like cat snack packs. So you grab one and go, (laughs) (laughs) it's like the cat. It's the feline lunchable. Uh, Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like, you just can't eat one, just one. So go watch this, and we're gonna spoil stuff. In in this this show is not meant to be. You don't want this spoiled for you. It's like seven episodes at like an hour apiece, so it it will take a good part of a day to watch. But man, it's it's completely worth the journey. Um, just be wary. I, I I bet you would agree with this, Jerry. Be careful about watching the last episode, especially before going to bed. This shit gets real heavy. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, and you're someone who thinks about this stuff, like this show has a lot to think about. I went to bed after watching the last episode. Probably not the best of ideas. Your brain will go to some dark, weird places after this. So go watch it, though. Um, it's so, so, so good. And so. such a, like, a visually striking one, too. Like yeah. The cinematography is just gorgeous even like the darker stuff yeah he does a it does man he knows how to shoot like 
I don't know if he uses the same cinematographer or a lot of it is just him being him. But man, he. I'll say it, the guy. The guy really does like. I've know I've compared it before. Like it really has a very Quentin Tarantino vibe because of, uh, because of how he he writes these monologue scenes that are just like just monologues for like extended minutes at a time that are just so well done that in in if it's not that it's the dialogue between two characters that is so well done and he's just like dialogue i feel like is so hard to, to make perfect and flanagan's dialogue is just so close to perfect that it's just like chef kiss right you know what's and what's odd is i've read so much hate on that like it was just a bunch of monologues and dude i could not be more stoked when like a film or a show yeah. does that stuff you know as a writer yeah. as a writer myself anything that i've directed like short films and stuff i've always gotten a yeah. lot of shit because most of it is just talking and people are like oh yeah. make something happen but i i think you could get so much across in good dialogue as far as yeah. storytelling and you get really good character studies with talking and good dialogue yep. that like sometimes that, that makes the plot even better. Dude, that's all Quentin Tarantino ever does. Yep. Quentin Tarantino movies are 70% dialogue. Like, and you go back to like, even like you, his least dialogue movie ever is probably kill bill. The first one. Right. Mm-hmm. But like you go into the second one, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. All his movies are dialogue and they have action sprinkles in my them. My favorite Tarantino movie, dialogue. my favorite Tarantino movie is The Hateful Eight, which I know isn't like yeah. the most popular one. But like, yeah. I, I love the fact that you're watching basically a two and a half hour play, it feels like. Yeah. Like, it, it's just yeah. cool. Yeah. It's, dude, dialogue is, I'm sorry, is harder to do than almost anything else in mm-hmm. movies because it's just to keep that attention of ADHD America or wherever else is watching it. And Flanagan just does such a good job of it. The, the, the preacher's dialogue and the, and, uh, Riley's dialogue and fucking Aaron's dialogue, all this stuff is so good. And even like in Joe's dialogue, you're talking about the drunk Joe, his dialogue is so, like, it's just, a broken soul and there's an event like that happens like at the the town celebration with him that you just like this man just breaks down you're just like fuck and you just the feelings man and just yeah it's that and like for every go- for every fucking uh god i don't know why her name's escaping me for every bev <laughs> there's really yeah. conflicted characters that aren't necessarily good or evil but they're like yep. flawed characters that you could kind of see like the humanity yeah. in you know uh, like yeah. You know, like these are people that I, I, I don't want to follow a story about a dude that's perfect because I'm not yeah. perfect. I'm fucked up. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes yeah. I'm a raging piece of shit and sometimes I'm a really overly sensitive, you know, emo kid. You know, yeah. like I, I like the fact that Flanagan, he has such a knack for giving like these really broken characters and ha- having you sympathize with them. Even some yeah. of the villains, it's, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Bev, I hate her, but like the character is completely believable. She's believable as a character because I, you, we've talked about it. We, we, we had these religious like upraisings and surroundings in these kind of people who every, like the fucking Bible isn't like a suggestion of how to live a better life. It's a fucking word for word written by God. And every, every fucking thing in this book is if you don't follow this, you're going to hell for all eternity. And, and this, that's the kind of character she is. And she's believable and she's well-written and she's just like, you want to 
fucking punch her in the throat for most of the series, but you're like, yeah. You so want to put her in the mirror of like a pit at ter- at a terror show, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to be like, let's have 500 pound, like a hardcore moth pit dude just like fucking throw elbows at this bitch. So, yeah. So go watch it. Let's go. Let's go spoil some of this because um, there's a lot of this stuff that I really, really do want to talk about. And obviously, we're not going to talk about seven episodes worth of everything, but there's like highlights um, that I, I are really well done. Uh, the, just like the the opening scene of of uh, Riley's character in this being on the side of the road, uh, the, it opens up where he's already killed this girl, mm-hmm. um, and the the it just breaks her heart instantaneously because he's like. She's gonna be okay, right? She's like this fucking broken man who, like, you learn later on, he doesn't even remember any of this. That's how fucking drunk he was, and and like this girl is that the guy starts performing CPR, and you're like, oh, there's like holes in this woman's head. This this woman isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go, oh, we're this is starting heavy and, and not easy, right? Um, and that girl he hits is this fucking reoccurring set piece for this whole thing because uh, Riley has these fucking visions of her and it's so haunting how they do it because the they they have her like appear before him. It reminds me a lot of the the bended neck lady on uh, Hill House, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but the police like or the ambulance lights coming like through the skull holes in her head. And it's just such, it's like a haunting image, right? Yeah. It's impossible to get that out of your head. Once you see it, like I, it's, it's, yeah. I think it's also like one of, I think the best shots of anything he's done. Yeah. It, like there's, there's specific shots of, of movies and stuff that get lodged into your head. And one of them for me yep. is the Texas chainsaw remake when the hitchhiker shoots yeah. herself in the head and then it goes, the camera yep. goes outside of it. You know, yeah. like the the one you're talking about, it's very similar to that, to where like it's kind of like burned into your head for a while. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing with like with with uh, like death and trauma like that. It's often very like even in horror, it's not like lingered on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's I, I, I didn't finish it, but I, I was watching um, uh, Till Death this morning that the, and I was messaging you about that with uh, uh, what do you call her? Uh, Megan Fox. Mm-hmm. And the shot. The, the shot of her husband and uh, early on, I don't want to ruin it is it's hell. That is like shown more visually than most things I've seen. And it like it, you, you, you have to ha- ha- sit with the consequences of that. Cause I'm, we're not talking about that movie right now. So I don't want to ruin it, but that kind of thing. Right. Like, and that's what this does. It's like that, that haunting scene of this dead girl staring at him, but with, like he can see what he did and that the police lights coming through are just so it's such a cool effect of like what this really means to this man. Right. And why like it, it, it teleports four years in the future after that incident, after he, he went to jail and you go, damn, this is like, you think about it, man. Like if you killed someone drunk driving, like, I don't know what I would do. Like, I, I, that guilt would never like I would have a hard time leaving it, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of like a a big thing with Riley's character and this whole show is like him being able to forgive himself and let mm-hmm. this go and let like what well, it, it also this- yeah t- totally it also speaks I think on the the topics of faith like it, people yeah. when you think of that you think of faith but I think uh, ultimately I think it's more about forgiveness. 
Yeah. You know, not, and and people always look to like Jesus and that kind of stuff. But I think like, you know, your life is even worse if you can't forgive yourself. And I think that right from the bat, you get to know someone who, you know, according to us at the beginning, we, why, how would he ever forgive himself? You know, like I wouldn't forgive yeah. myself for that. But like, yeah. it's such a good example of like this big journey of forgiving yourself. Yeah. Well, because by the end of his character, you're like, this man, you don't know if he's fully forgiven himself, but he's, he's, he sees that it, it, his character has been redeemed, right? Like mm-hmm. he, he doesn't, he's willing to do things that he, he probably wouldn't have been, like he wouldn't have been able to do at the beginning of the film, like mm-hmm. before his car accident, he was a selfish asshole is kind of what he sells himself as. Right. Um, and yeah, so he gets taken back to his home island where it's a small fishing island uh, that is doesn't have like I think his mom says they have like less than a hundred people that live on this island, mm-hmm. um, and he's basically he's got nothing. And it, it it's funny because this this girl uh, is Kate Siegel's character, Aaron Green. Uh, she's uh, kind of back on this island herself as someone who went out into the world and was, she talks about how she was going to be something and whatever and ends up in her mom's house who she fucking hated doing this. She's teaching the school just like her mom did and is pregnant and is this like this loop of like self-fulfilling prophecy basically, right? No, Totally. Like, like people that, that spend their entire, and I was like this too. I spent my entire childhood saying like, no, I'm going to get out from this. I'm not going to be anything having to do with my parents or anything like that. And then later yeah. on, you know, you kind of look in the mirror and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what it's, a lot of it is. You know, she, she didn't want to be on this fucking stupid ass island. Yeah. It's the, it's the man. It's, it, it kind of, it's the, the, the characters of Riley and uh, Aaron where they're both like, when you have, when you have, you leave the nest and you go out into the real world, if the real world, something goes wrong for you, there's not many places you could go. And these two end up back at home, back where mm-hmm. they started, because there was nowhere else for them. Neither one of them, both of them have kind of been like forsaken by the rest of the real world, right? They like, Riley can't go anywhere because he's a fucking, he's got a, doesn't have any credentials anymore because of he's a criminal. I, I think he was a little like, I was like, I understand that you like, you're not going to get hired by everyone, but like you have a degree, you have all this stuff, you fucked up real bad, but I don't, Riley feels like a character that's kind of given up on life at that point. Right? Like he's the kind of person that, that thinks that he's such shit that he can't do anything. But like, like you're yeah. saying, like, dude, you're not going to get a job for the government, but you could at least be a door yeah. greeter at Walmart. I mean, come on. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And saying like, he goes home and he live, he goes home and lives with his parents and his, his parents are his dad's like, his dad kind of has disowned him. Right. he like, he doesn't want to, he doesn't even want to pick him up at the boat when his, when he comes in, like it's only his mom. Um, and, uh, and plus, like, his, dude, his, his dad gave a fucking alien a chance. Why can't he give him? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, 
like, what the fuck? His dad gave yeah. the alien fucking Reese's pieces. He can't like be chill with his son. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, though, like the the idea of doing something horrible and completely losing faith in your belief system, but also yourself, and coming back and seeing that basically that faith is kind of everywhere now. Like, yeah. it's a really difficult thing to kind of get used to for him. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, well, because he goes in and he's like, his his dad's like, ah, you're going to go to church, right? And he's like, nah, I'm, I'm good, dad. He's like, no, you motherfucker. <laughs> you're going to church <laughs> and you're not going to have communion because you don't have faith, which is, uh, I, I don't know, it didn't really uh, it matter that much in the long run. But, um, yeah, it's, it's seeing that, like, kind of tough love of a father who... <sighs> You know he loves his son still because of how he handles him later on, but like he's he he's not very he's like that old school father who doesn't like probably had a hard time telling him he loved him and all that mm-hmm. stuff and especially like, with like the stuff. big the accident, you know, as a parent, yeah. as a parent you want to love your kid, but at the same time if your kid does something as shitty as that you're like yeah yeah dude like i'm i love you technically <laughs> but but you kind of done fucked up yeah you're kind of done fucked up um and this kind of sets up a lot of the early uh the like a lot of early storytelling we have a uh, rahul Co- how do you rahul kali kali i think is uh how you say his name uh sheriff ha- uh, hassan oh dude he, i love he, him Dude, he's so fucking good. He played, he played the uh, the cook on Bly Manor, and God, that thing, his story arc with uh, the nanny or whatever her name was, was so fucking heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It was so heartbreaking. It's that seeing two people that love each other and don't ever do anything about it, and it just by the time they do, it's just too late, and it's just too like. It's just so it hurts so bad. Like it, it's it's funny, man. Like I feel like I don't. I, I bet you're like this too. Like as I've gotten older, there like the the life experiences that, that I've had that like that when they get translated into media just mean so much more, or they hurt so much more, or feel so much better. It's just like it's you. It's not stuff that I think you could appreciate as a younger person. You could appreciate it. it's beautiful, but like it's that stuff that just hits home because of what you've been through personally as mm-hmm. a human. Right. I remember when twin peaks aired when I was a kid, like I was, I was that awkward fourth and fifth grader watching twin peaks. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get the whole like Ed and Norma, like love story. Then I was just like, Oh, yeah. that, that's whatever, you know, bring on the Lord yeah. Palmer mystery. But like when, yeah. when the third season came out like a few years ago and then that yeah. whole story between them finally played out, like it was yeah. heartbreaking, and it's yeah. it's it's this like two people that you know should be together, but for so many reasons can't be, and like yeah. also, it's a good example of that dude kind of having to kind of extinguish his own belief system based on the people around him. Yeah, you know, that character, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, the sheriff. I mean, is a is a Muslim who who had been. It's a very strong belief system for him and his. He'd lost his wife and he has a high school son, and he just wants to worship and be left alone, basically. And he had been part of the police force because of nine eleven. Like he joined the police after nine eleven because he saw and he wanted to help and show what a good Muslim could do and like what he meant and how much he loved America. 
and it didn't it like ends up backfiring in the long run because they give up like they've been end up like like he ends up getting tailed and like being surveilled because he he spoke up about what how he got treated or something mm-hmm. like that and you go fuck man it's just it's just a thing where in that like that fucking hatred that fucking suspicion that like it's like how how Bev treats him in the last episode or the mm-hmm. second those last couple episodes you go I it's just that fucking hatred and that fucking shit that you know happened and like the shit that like the anti-Muslim crimes that happened after 9-11 just like the fucking people who are so fucking stupid they went out and started attacking Asian people because of fucking Trump and his like China virus Dude, and all that, that shit. Dude, that happened. Uh, it wasn't an attack, but uh, my wife and I were out and about earlier today and our daughter told us that her teacher at school said that COVID had it was 100% because of China and Chinese people brought it at my fucking daughter's school. It's, they're basically teaching the kids to be fucking racist. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. Like that or like Dude. my other daughter, because uh, our kids go to different schools based on, you know, their, their other parents. Uh, my other yeah. daughter, like I got an email from their principal basically saying that kids have been talking about relationships other than straight relationships yeah. and they can't yeah. they don't want they don't want that in their school and i was like what the hell uh it, it just fucking i it's it's this is the kind of stuff man where i i saw something interesting yesterday i think online and it was these people had like raised their their small uh the video was set up as they they didn't assign a sex for their kid at birth and didn't they use they them and all that stuff and let their child choose that like when and they taught them and they let them do all this stuff and when the the, the child was four it was uh the, the child decided what wanted to be he and i was like i had to think about it for a little bit and i'm like man that is so kind of cool it's kind of really like this weird like uh it's like a weird concept when you first think about it because of how ingrained gender is in our like, you know, world. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that's kind of changing, but that was like something I was like, man, it just like letting a kid pick instead of like doing that because you, I, all the transgender friends I have that I, you see what being told what you are all your life and how it affected them and how it like, how traumatized they are by that stuff. You just go, fuck man. It's, it's, it, it, you know, so much of a culture and how it was before and how things have changed. It, it It's it's just a, it's an interesting concept because it goes, if that just helps some people not like be hurt by that kind of stuff now, it's just like, damn, man. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the, it just establishing. What's well, like, dude, like I, I never pretend to know the struggles of people that aren't me. But, dude, yeah. I, I am a straight white dude. You know what I mean? Yep. That said, yep. I've had body dysmorphia my entire life. I, I yep. if you know, I either think I'm too big or too small. You know, I, yep. I've had an eating disorder. I hated being alive as a kid because of faith, because of, you know, being a nerd, uh, everyone yep. calling me names. And if I, if I had dealt with that to the point where I wanted to die most of my childhood, I can't even begin to think of yep. the horror that the other like the actual marginalized marginalized groups have yeah that's it's it's just like you said they go 
it's something that it doesn't you you can't you can't understand it because you can't ever you can be understanding of it mm-hmm. you could try to you know be there and whatever but yeah it's being white dudes is, is you go it's very hard for us like to go completely understand but just i think it's always something that if you listen and, and try to show compassion and be there for those people and try to stop stop the you know the things that go against them then that's all you can really truly do right and try to change perspectives and try to pr- change prejudices and and all that stuff right it's kind mm-hmm. of i think it's all you could really truly do but at least it's doing something right yeah um, totally it's it's, it's one of those things in the 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 sheriff hassan's character and all that stuff he goes through like with the anti-muslim stuff is it's one of those things that it, it's such a good story arc and it's such but it it's funny because it's not even like it kind of takes the it takes a lot of the story arc at the very ending of the show right because the when the big reveal of the dude the jonestown scene in this show is fucking horrifying um did you ever see that the vice movie they made about like the fake jonestown sacrament uh yeah yeah no dude my uh good buddy actually uh aj uh yeah he starred in that and uh dude dude, i went to the fantastic fest premiere of that movie in 2013 and this is how this is how fucking weird it was I knew that the movie was kind of loosely kind of being that because, you know, AJ told me kind of like when he was filming it, like, hey, this is fucking nuts. And so I went to the premiere of that. And at Fantastic Fest, they gave us all little cups of Kool-Aid. And I watched <laughs> I watched that fucking movie, and I was in the lobby just speechless. And he came up to me and goes, dude, so what do you think of the movie? And I go, I loved it, but I think I need to go call my kids right now. <laughs> I showed it to my wife a couple months ago, and that is one of the only movies that she refuses to watch again. Because it's hey, that blind hey, faith. It's that blind faith yeah. to the point where, like, you would take your own life just to prove that you believe in something. Yeah, it, and that's – that's you know, I bring that up because that, that – there is – was it the f- – sixth episode mm-hmm. i think it's sixth episode where they they turn into the, the the they realize everyone is you know what's funny they never use the word vampire this entire nope. show they they just say angels which is such a brilliant thing by flanagan it's just a brilliant fucking way to do what they did with the show and go oh we're gonna we're gonna just keep using the word angel because the the vampirism isn't it's it's just a means to an end right it's mm-hmm. a it's really a just a way to go yeah you motherfuckers who have faith will do anything and go down any routes to prove that and it's funny because the the pastor is the the never ending uh the the kind of guiding stone of this mm-hmm. and he's one of the like not everyone really realizes it. I mean, most of the people do by the end, but the pastor is the one who at the very end, he goes, man, we done fucked up, right? He like, <laughs> he goes, oh shit, because or we'll go back to him then, I guess. So the, at the beginning of the show, there was a, a, a town preacher who'd been around forever and they, they paid to have him go to, to Jerusalem to be mm-hmm. like, because this motherfucker was about to die. He was like a billion years old. Um, but when he got there, he kind of wandered off because he was a little senile, and he's my dad up, looking for his donut. 
<laughs> he won. He wanted. He didn't find a donut though, Jerry. He found something <laughs> very much worse. He he wanders off, and instead of a donut, he finds an ancient fucking vampire. It actually kind of reminded me of the, the the latest what we do in the shadows, where the uh, the the sire. Uh, on what we do in the shadows. Have you seen the new episode yet? Dude, I have not uh, seen the show at all. I oh, love dude, the movie, though. It's so good. They're so good. So the, the the sire on that is very much like the the ancient vampire, the the whatever uh, mm-hmm. on this show. Um, um, dude, watch it. You will fucking laugh your balls off. The show's so good. It's so funny. Uh, Colin Robinson for life. I love him. Um, no, uh. So that was that was one of those me- those gifts I sent you the other day. But uh, so th- th- he found this this cave like because he got wandered off and in, in a sandstorm, and finds this old like like village like this old like ruins, and there's a vampire in there, and it's he thinks it's a fucking angel, um, because of the wings and mm-hmm. it's a very like it's a very gargoyle ish vampire. It's very uh. Did you see Dracula Untold? I think so. Yeah, like the 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 one with uh, is that the one with uh, what do you call him? Um, who the fuck was in that? Luke. I, I think Luke Evans. I think it was. Oh, okay. I didn't see that one. No, I didn't see that it's one. It's very I, I similar design wise to what you're talking about. Yeah, it's very like, it's very gargo. I mean, mm-hmm. like gargo like is like very like. I always enjoy like when uh like the different vampire mythos but it's very like you don't really ever know but it kind of seems like this thing is so old and has been like draining people of blood for so long that it kind of got like looking like this right um the only thing i didn't like with the vampire mythos in this they did the whole like the very end the the girl who had been uh who was in a wheelchair who who had been shot by the, the by the drunk um, when she goes, I can't feel my legs again. I kind of didn't like that. That was the only thing about the whole mythos they did at the very end. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. I felt like it was, I don't know. I never liked the, because this, this story felt very grounded for a vampire story outside of like, like, you know, it, that the whole connection to a host kind of seems very like. Yeah, it's very m- mythical, kind of right. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I know exactly what you're talking about. It, it yeah. added like it added an element that you're like, like I, I I know what you're talking about as far as like the host thing. I I think the connection, like once that connection yeah. severed, you know, like I, I didn't like yeah. that. Yeah, I know. So I agree. It it's very it's like it's just it just that <laughs> it felt like Flanagan didn't. He was like, okay, I'm letting you two characters survive. That's you. That's all you get. You don't even get the the little girl can't like walk anymore. <laughs> it's like you're depressed, that, but I'm gonna give you a you know silver lining. But even that silver lining is pretty fucking downer. Yeah, yeah. Like because that kid, the 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 brother uh, Riley's brother, like was like finally gets to like tell the like you know go with this girl because he's into her, and then she gets to walk for like a couple of days. Like I don't know, it's not very long. It was like a couple of weeks or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, so the 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 vampire eats the priest and basically when he wakes up, he he drinks the blood of the vampire. He, the vampire feeds him the blood. He is, uh, he's like 30 again. Like he's, I think, did they say like back to your best self, right? Like, or your present self. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so basically, he comes back to. Uh, um, he doesn't. I, I don't think he actually died, right? He didn't die because he dies later on. Um, yeah. But like the blood of this thing was so pure that it 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 resurrects him back to like his primal self. Like in this guy had been in his late eighties, it seemed like. Uh, um, and he's and he pretty comes dapper, and, young. Oh yeah, and dude, this guy gives these sermons, and they're like. There are a lot of them are real bonkers, but like he, he has them with so much energy and so mm-hmm. much like, especially the the fucking uh, the the speech he gives the night uh, the Riley goes out yeah where he's like the about being the soldiers of God and stuff like that so it's like the, it's it that it feels very much like uh like even evangelical like TV the mm-hmm. preachers or were the like. Yeah. The dudes would like if punch you, through the air and someone would fly back and pass out. Yeah. Yeah. Or like they're like, You will give me all your money mm-hmm. and I will I will fly in the golden Jesus jet of joy. <laughs> it's just like that kind of speech. Uh and oh uh, yeah, but yeah, uh so he brings this thing back with him though when he comes back to the island and it's and he doesn't tell anyone because obviously he's not gonna believe him. But this is when he does the fucked up thing where he starts putting that vampire's blood in the, because he thinks it's an angel and he puts it in the, uh, in the town communion. And this is where the girl who can't walk starts being able to walk where the, my wife, my wife, uh, I kind of called it pretty early on. I was, I was like, my wife's like, why are all these people wearing shitty, horrible, like old age makeup? I was like, cause they're all going to get de-aged <laughs> mm-hmm. and they did. Um, some of them were like the worst one was obviously the doctor's mom who was supposed to be like, you know, like a hundred years old. And she, uh, she had been in love with, you find in the last episode, she'd been loving in love with the preacher and mm-hmm. they had had her together. And it's so, man, it's another thing. It's like that thing where it's like these people are, are preaching one thing and then they're all f- fucking and, and mm-hmm. making of this baby, and you're just going. Isn't that how uh, it is, though? I, I've I've learned yeah. that. Like that's yeah. that's why all these scandals that you always come across, like this anti-gay preacher, <laughs> is banging yeah, banging some dude in a in a rest stop. Oh yeah, well, yeah. He got caught at the airport with like a dick in his mouth and a glory hole, and you're just like, Jesus! It, it's always the, it's the fucking hypocrisy of it. It's the hypocrisy of it that drives me so insane. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking say as I do, or uh, say as I say, or uh, do as I say, not as I do. And it's like, yep. Because it's 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 the thing that it's it's like the Bev character in this whole thing. Bev is like, I don't know if they ever say like. She's like kind of like an assistant for the 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 church, right? But she's also a teacher. And this bitch, you learn real on early on, is out there she she kills Joe's dog because she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. She poisons it, and it's one of the most heartbreaking scenes I've ever seen. Cause it's sitting there and you're like this dude has like he's an old drunk who shot this girl on accident because he was drunk and just he goes and gets trashed every night because he could barely live with himself. Mm-hmm. And the only thing he loves in this world is this dog. <laughs> and this th- this evil bitch fucking poisons this dog, and he's watching it suffer. Is the only thing that about it that wasn't like uh, the dog. You could tell it wasn't a real dog. Thank God, because it's like it's not an easy scene to watch. It is really really rough. Um, 
really, really rough. I feel like that should have um, been the name for this instead. It's <laughs> really rough. <laughs> yeah, dude, it it's so good. It, it's it's weird. Like it's weird watching a show and going like, and an episode ends, and you're like, you're like, uh, like you're like, you feel bad on the inside, but you. It's so compelling that you want you need to watch what's happening next. It's like that episode. Like, it's like that episode of Sopranos, which is such yeah. a weird thing to reference. But that that are you familiar with that? Have you watched it? No, I, I I've never actually watched. The okay, Sopranos then yeah, yeah, it's it's a really big, <laughs> big yeah. show spoiler, I, so I won't I, say it. Like <laughs> I, I, it's I I know there's so many like deaths of characters. There's like, a character you know, that character. there's a character without going into detail who it was. There's a character that has no business dying that dies a good amount in the show and it's so hard to watch that you're like why the fuck is this happening you know well it's it's like the i always think of uh the because i i didn't make it all the way through but i knew it happened the omar death on the wire right like how much everyone loved omar um and how he he got killed off because i mean he lived lived that kind of life right but like it's always the 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 characters that are people like no you can't kill them, and it's when people do you're just like uh, uh. I I know I mean, it's, see I never watched Game of Thrones but I yeah. do think that killing off the main character like the end of the first yeah. season was kind of a balls yeah. out move like well yeah it's man they it, fucking George R R Martin loves killing characters though he fucking just relishes on it it like he has the most I don't know if you know that there's a, a scene called the Red Wedding. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, where the 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 best thing on the internet was watching going and watching YouTube reactions after it happened because if, if you didn't know it was gonna happen, these people are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and so people who knew it was happening would record people who didn't know it was happening and just go from that. Well, dude, it was the it's so. I mean, the Riley death, like Riley, like at the end of the fourth episodes gets attacked by the vampire mm-hmm. and gets taken out. And you're like, fuck. And but then at the very beginning of the fifth episode, he fucking comes to Aaron and he's like, let's go for a boat ride. <laughs> and you're like, and the whole episode, he's they're sitting in the boat and he's telling the story of how how what happened and how he got, got attacked and you're sitting there going, I it's, it was an hour of fucking dread because you knew what was going to come the entire episode. You're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because they're in the middle of the ocean in a fucking boat. Yeah. And the fucking sun's about to come up. And it's like, and then it happens and you're like, oh, because Riley was such a good character, man. He's so flawed, but he's so like, it's. You you just sympathize him for him so much because this man is like made a mistake and it was a significant mistake. We went over that, but like you, you the guy just he it's, seems it's, like he was a pretty pretty yeah, decent guy before that. It's a it's a character that you you find yourself going like, man, this person fucked up so bad. But as as like an audience, you want to root for that person to to turn yeah. their their life around. You want good things yeah. to happen to this person because like like. All of us, we've all done some pretty fucked up shit at one point of our life, you know, and like stuff that a lot of people don't know about. Like, you know, I haven't murdered anyone. That that sounds very sinister, but I'm just saying, you know, like we've all done like horrible things that we regret. And that doesn't make us necessarily like bad people. It just means that we're flawed. So when that happens, you're just like, 
No. Like, no. Yeah. Like, you feel like you've been robbed of something. Well, that, and you, you have, we were talking about the love of two people who don't ever get that love. Him and Aaron are like that. Like, they were, they were kind of, like, into each other in high school, and, like, but then, like, the world took them apart because they both wanted out of here so badly, and they never got to be, like, them they never got to be like fully embraced being in love and being there and being with each other right it was this is this kind of pure like just relationship that they had during the show of just two people when they sat there and talked about death because basically those two kind of hook up not hook up but they're like friends because like she's the only one who like he really knew knew like he grew up with when he was there and like when he came back, she was pregnant because she got pregnant, but then she came back and they don't really go into why or who, but she came back. And uh, when she starts drinking the vampire's blood, like while everyone else is being healed, her body thought the baby was a, a parasite and got rid of it. Mm-hmm. And so this traumatic event for her is something that's very like that ties that makes her like kind of embrace him again because they're both fucking traumatized by mm-hmm. what's happened to them in their lives. Um, and they have this, this conversation that's so perfect about what they think happens after death. And it's a fucking relevant one because then Aaron retells this thing as she's dying at the end of the last episode. And it's just so, it's just fucking heartbreaking, but it's also beautiful at the same time you know you know like yeah no totally and you know the last time i was on the show we we briefly talked about martyrs and and yeah. how for me what makes that movie so special is it's a good examination of what happens right when you're about to die you know yeah. is there something is there any like vindication or is there anything and i think this one speaks on that too you know like yeah. Any death scene that happens, there's usually like this really emotional thing that goes with it. And it's kind of like, what do we think about death? What do these people think about death? You know, and what does it mean to be at the end of this life that you've lived, you know, with with your fuck ups and your good things and your bad things and your missed opportunities and all these things? And and fuck, man. So good. It's it's like this thing where it's like basically telling the story of like you can't you can't use faith as a religion for being a bad person because like the bad, the one of my favorite fucking things that in the entire store show is like in the last episode, or I think it's the last episode, Riley's mom goes to Bev. You've never been a good person. And it fucking like, yes, because this bitch is so evil. And she uses that. She uses faith as her justification for being a shitty person. Because she fucking poisons that dog like I talked about. And then she fucking poisons the goddamn priest. Because yeah. I think she thinks that it's like like he's like uh I think she's equating him to Jesus and there's some kind of like she's trying to get him to come back because she knows all these miracles have been coming after he got home. But it's all because they're drinking fucking vampire blood and it's healing them. Um but man, it's just like it's that Bev is such a fucking evil character and it's just so like it's it's always it's always so like it's just so frustrating when people use religion to justify shitty things and that's so much of the show because even the fucking preacher gets on it like he starts going off like they're gonna do this vampire revolution but like like praising it as like a a uh, uh like a reward from god and you're like 
dude, your your view of religion has made it so that you're like twisting shit around to the fact that you like these horrible actions that you're doing, you're justifying with God, which is something that's happened how long, man? And like the fucking the crusades, like in like we came over to America and, and like uh, like a bunch of religious people and fucking murdered an entire race of people because they weren't that one they had our land and two they didn't like believe in their god it's just like so much has been done and bad in the name of religion and like i think that there's just it, it, it mike's just telling such a good story of how just how like the the path was it the path that the to evil is paid with good intentions or mm-hmm. is that the saying yeah um it's what the show is is like that that's this preacher doesn't have bad intentions but like once he gets hit by this angel and he or this angel as he calls it and starts becoming he becomes a vampire he's doing things he fucking murders joe sucks up his blood Mm -hmm. and he's like hey i didn't feel bad about it so god must think i'm cool it's just it's it's something that like you know like that holy warriors like people who who do violent things in the name of god whatever god they are they do and it's just it's just so it's so interesting to see this happening in like with the vampire the vampire being the route that they're using to do that because it's like it's ties in horror and it kind of goes it it makes it a little it it disconnects it a little bit from the real world like a little like that makes it a little more like you know like obtain like like consumable for a normal person Mm -hmm. right like we're talking about what what you your wife like felt with after that jonestown movie that it it, that putting the vampireism padding in there it it makes it like way more digestible from like a lot of people, right? I, I that, and I also think that what what makes all of Mike Flanagan's work so good is like a lot of it is right on Front Street and kind of blatant, but I think a lot of it has to do with like metaphorical stuff. Yeah, you know, like religion in general can be this blood sucking fucking thing that ruins you. Yeah. I I've seen yeah. so many good people in my life completely ruined by fanaticism. Like my yep. my whole family, they're not bad people, but dude, I yep. haven't talked up until recently. I didn't talk to my dad for years and my brother for almost yeah. two years because of differences of opinion, whether it's like politics or yeah. religion. Like, yeah, just I I think being a fanatic with anything I think really yeah. infects people, and and like yeah. I think the use of that in this is like very metaphorical for that. Dude, and I think, and it's funny because we're talking about a lot of the the bad things of what religion could do. I think that they do a good job of showing what religion can do for positives, with uh, especially with Riley and and Joe and and what AA uses how AA uses religion to like kind of give give pe- lost people a way mm-hmm. back. You know what I mean? Like how religion is. If you don't know, AA Alcohols Anonymous is very, very uh, religious-based scheme, and Riley has to go and do this AA meetings because of his uh, his parole. Um, but Riley and Joe both die with like a little bit of more hope because of AA and because of what this pastor or the preacher did for them, and like how he helped guide them back because it 
when you're lost, like religion can be a thing that is can guide you back, right? And I, I, I think you and I both like have harked on like a lot of the things that can go wrong with it. But this show does show what religion can do for those who need it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that I think toxic religion. Uh, yeah, I think religion is dangerous. And just yep. in general, but I think faith yep. is so important to anyone and it doesn't have to be in yeah. like a Jesus. It doesn't have to be in Buddha. It doesn't have to be anything, but I think just having a set core, like just a core set of values and ethics and like, you know, yeah. like me waking up in the morning and not going out and murdering someone has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It has to do with my yeah. own faith that like, you know what, this is why, this is how you do not. And you do and do not act. And yeah. what's weird is like, you know, like I was saying earlier, I was so hurt by religion growing up yeah. that I became even more of a prick when it came to atheism until yeah. I also realized that I didn't believe in atheism either. You know, yeah. like it, it, like for me personally, I got to the point where I had to kind of develop my own spirituality of just like yeah. what makes me be a good person and my own set of beliefs. And I think that that, this is a good example of, of people finding that. And what's, what's interesting is the people that find that are the people that end up being free. Yeah. Well, it's the only person on this whole show because most, the, everyone in this whole town gets turned into vampires except for Riley's little brother. And then the, the girl in the wheelchair who gets healed. And the only person really out of all the people who were fanatical about this and don't like kind of see the light at the end are Bev. Bev is the mm-hmm. only one who can't see who can't see because of her completely fanatical religion. She's the one who at the end is sitting there trying to dig a hole in the sand to get away because she doesn't want to die when the sun's coming. She's the only one. Everyone else, Riley's parents lead us fucking like they start singing a song at like a, a religion, like a, a song from church. They start singing a song because they know that they're going to their heaven. They're going to their God. They're going to whatever that, because they all believe that. And there was that like, it's that they, they know that what happened to them isn't right. And that it's right. They all realize like the, the, uh, the big, uh, the big mechanic dude who, who's sitting there and kind of was trying to like kind of trying to route Bev in the correct direction during the, the the finale of the show and trying to like, like she's like, Oh, you're only supposed to turn people. We said, and he's like, but he was always nice to me. And that wasn't enough for her because she, he wasn't the one like, you know, going to church every single day and doing everything that, that Bev thought was right. You know? Mm -hmm. No, totally. I agree. Yeah. It's, there's just so much in the show, and I think it's like literally, it's like, it's so hard to, to tackle everything. But man, they just the story Mike tells is so good. It's just so well acted, and you get you get the story of 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 uh, Sheriff Hassan and like how he all he wants to do is be able to raise his his son and in in peace and not be you know tracked down by the, the like authorities and like you get the 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 redemption of a character who uh, who killed someone in a drunk driving accident and you get 
another lost person and Aaron and what she's been through and how she's been lost and like doesn't want to relive the same life her mother lived and her evil mother and all this stuff and it's all these stories and they tell so much and really it's like seven hours of time but it's that's not that much of time but they tell it so well that you just you like there's so many characters you feel like and when like Riley dies you fucking you fucking it hurts and when Aaron is being attacked by the vampire and she's like like dying but she's like cutting his fucking wings so he can't get away Mm -hmm. it's just so it's so like it's like heartbreaking yet like yes at the same time it's 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 also like this this idea of like this is my end how do i go out do i go out do i go out a good person trying to help others or do i just let it go you know and like I've, I've always admired any movie or show or book or anything that have characters yeah. that know that they're at their end and they still choose yeah. to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you think of like, I think of like, like underwater at the end, right? Like where oh, this character so is like, yeah, where like, she's like, oh, I'm going to take this motherfucker out because if he gets out, this thing gets out, it's going to destroy the world. See, I admire that about Kristen Stewart's character because I'm going to be completely honest. If Cthulhu was about to chomp my ass, I wouldn't give a shit (laughs) if anyone lived because I'm going. (laughs) I would actually not save the day just on principle. Like, I'm dying. Let's see what Cthulhu can do while I'm gone. So you're basically saying you're you're the pothead from uh, the end of Cabin in the Woods. Uh, That's who you are, Jerry. I'm gonna smoke this. I'm gonna smoke this cup bong and go out high as fuck, you know, and fuck the rest of the world. Like, I think of man. Like, I think of like things like uh, that. I think of things like Alien Three, where like she's like, oh, I'm jumping in the or Terminator Two. Like the the I'm jumping the self sacrifice to to do what is right and to try to prevent something bad from happening in the rest of the world is just like it's. It's one of the things that's like, it's heartbreaking, but it's like, it's better than like, I don't know. I mean, it feels better than like when the villainous character just like gets away with something, you know, like, or kills someone and gets away with it. Right. It's, it's that thing where it's like, okay, the, the, the good guys all, I mean, I don't know. It, I, I don't mind when everyone dies as long as it feels like, I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't feel hopeless at the end. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I'm joking. I would totally say. I, I know. I know. I know. I know. Jerry. I know. Man, I'm just. I'm like. Shit. I'm like the uh, Chris. Chris Red's character in Pop Star. Or did yeah. I? It's like no, I didn't. <laughs> I've never, oh shit, I, I dude. S- I still. I've never seen Pop Star. That is a movie much, that, like, oh yeah, that that was a movie that I like had no business being as good as it was. Like, I still dude. to this day think it's Lonely Island's best thing ever. I love Andy Samberg. Uh, like Brooklyn Nine Nine is yeah. one of my favorite sh- shows for the last you know ten years, and is I'm so sad to end. My wife and I have the last ep- two episodes on the DVR and still mm-hmm. haven't watched them because I kind of don't want like it to end. You know what I mean? So yeah, I dude, I, I we're gonna we're talking about Flan- uh, Flanagan and Hush here uh, after this, but man, I it, this this show is it just it it does everything that i appreciate in like it, it respects you for investing your time in it you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i agree 100 percent. it it's it just makes you feel like it's worth everything you've done so oh man we've been going two hours and we got hush to talk about so i think we could wrap up this man uh and then we'll go and uh yeah so do you uh you i mean we 
you want to get pimp your stuff again. Your Jerry is okay on on Jerry is just okay on Twitter, right? Yeah, your Twitter account. That um, and your uh, out. Mm, go ahead. Sorry. Your out al- albums coming out here uh, on Halloween. Yeah, you just released a track on Halloween. I released a track called Spells yesterday. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Uh, it's it, dope, man. It, it, here's it's the dope. deal. Like I've spent so many years of my life saying, "Man, I wish I could score a Halloween movie someday." The track I released yesterday is me saying, "I not that I wish I could." It's hire me for the next it's, fucking reboot, dude. That's that's like something that a fan film would do. Like it's like that's how good it is. Like if you put that on a Halloween fan film, um, they they don't get as much uh, attention as the Friday the Thirteenth ones, but there are a lot. There's of, some good uh, ones. Friday, yeah, Halloween fan films out there. Uh, yeah, so check that out. And your, uh, your when are you, when's the magazine with your uh, interviews with the Halloween people coming out? Uh, it's that's going to be for Wicked Horror, a website. Uh, okay. okay, but cool. uh, probably closer to the release. I, the movie comes out the fifteenth, so I need to touch yep. base with Universal to see when the embargo's up. But yeah, yeah, and, and the, they're so vid- they're video interviews too, so it's not going to be just like writing stuff. It'll be Jamie Lee Curtis probably telling me how much of a fucking idiot I look like. <laughs> Dude, did you see the pictures of her going to that fest? Uh, festival? Oh, Beyond like, with, Fest, with yeah, the, yeah, with the with the t-shirt cannon. Dude, I, I like, love oh, so I cool. love Beyond Fest so fucking much, and I was so bummed I yeah. couldn't go. But yeah, yeah, where was it in L.A.? Yeah, it's in L.A. It's every year they they bring this the coolest movies. And what's cool about Beyond Fest, unlike a lot of other festivals, you don't have to go to the whole festival. Like if you just want to watch one movie, oh, you could buy cool. a ticket just for that. So yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, well, dude, we'll 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 pimp that out when it's officially released, uh, and uh, I'll probably put it out on the as soon as you find it or, or find out when it's being released. Just let me know, and I'll put it on the. Also, the really quickly, the podcast. the uh, the Halloween issue of Remind Magazine, a hundred percent about Halloween, is now on newsstands everywhere. So if oh, nice. anyone if Pick anyone goes to Barnes and Noble, Walmart, buy like four copies of that and only read my stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> no, really, it's great. But yeah, yeah, yeah that, I'm excited about that one. I gotta pick that up. I, uh, I you said that, and I was out today looking for a, a, an out for for a high lung, um, and I d- ran out of time going everywhere. And uh, but I'm gonna go out tomorrow, and I'll probably tr- go look and see if I can track that. Plus, down. it's like six bucks, which is really good for yeah. a magazine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, man. Everyone else, Murder Moose Pod uh, podcast or murdermoose.com and then Murder Moose Pod is the Twitter. Uh, we there's a Instagram now for Murder Moose Pod somewhere. Uh, so that will be. I'm just posting pictures and stuff and talking about stuff like. Uh, so that's not a big thing, but it, it, I'm just trying to get some more attraction stuff. Okay, everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we will be back next week with Hush. So have a good one, everyone, and we will see you soon. Bye.